everyone. Welcome to the Yom Kippur episode of I Only Have Five Minutes. This is your host, Avram Elner. I am a current rabbinical student at the Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies in Los Angeles, California. Now, I've, I've missed the past two weeks of putting out a podcast, and surprise, surprise, the high holiday season is still busy for rabbinical students, even if we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and it's definitely during this time of year that I think we really feel the constant tension between what is urgent and what is important. I know that that's something that I've been thinking about a lot over the past couple of weeks. Now, as we're about to enter Yom Kippur, uh, there are two things that I've really been thinking about, and I want to talk about these. Now, the, the, here are the two questions. The first question is, we talk about tshuva all the time, and tshuva, the root of the word, comes from uh, the Hebrew word to return. So we have this idea that teshuva is all about returning to something. And the question is, what are we returning to? And tied into that is another question that I have, which is, what happens after Yom Kippur? We place uh, so much emphasis on Rosh Hashanah, the Yamimi Norim, you know, the 10 days of awe, and Yom Kippur. And I'm curious about what happens afterwards when the uh, party is over, so to speak. But first, let's talk about tshuva. You know, we we talk about it, we read it in the liturgy during the high holidays. Um, oftentimes, we think about tshuva as the act of uh, apologizing to someone for a wrongdoing that we did against them. Uh, but there is this larger idea of teshuva being this process of return. And I know for me, sometimes it feels like this constant cycle that we never quite get out of, or we have these moments where it feels like we are chasing something and we're never quite able to get there, never quite able to grasp it. The way that I really think about sort of that process is it reminds me of when you're driving on an open country road, right? You can see in all directions around you and you can see in front of you the horizon line, right? Where the road kisses the sky and you always feel like you're driving, you're going to get to that point. You're going to get to the horizon point but you never actually get there. Um, and that at some level, the closer you get to the horizon point, the further away it becomes. And the horizon point is actually infinitely far away. And part of this is because there is no real set fixed horizon point. The point is constantly changing because just as you're, mo you're moving when you're driving the car. So, the horizon point is also moving. Think about it another way. If somebody was driving behind you while you're chasing the horizon point, 
and they're really far behind you, you would look to them like you were the horizon point. So the horizon point's an illusion. It's a matter of perspective and perception. So if the horizon point is a construct relative to your position, the conclusion that we have to draw is we're always at the horizon, meaning we're actually always in the place that we're trying to return to. We're always in the place that we're trying to get to. And the real difficulty of life is that we're often unable to recognize that we're exactly where we're supposed to be in the given moment. I just want to take a a second to recognize that this has definitely some vibes of Rabbi Alan Liu, of um, the religious scholar Mircea Eliada and his, his work, The Myth of the Eternal Return, and of course Ramdas. And I think all of them are present in this. And if this idea is interesting to you, you should definitely check out their works. But the point is that the return of tshuva is not the return to a point. It's not like we're trying to get back to a specific spot. It's a return to the understanding that we are where we need to be in the given moment of our lived experience. And if we think of tshuva as a return to an understanding rather than a return to a state, we recognize that this is a process that is constantly happening. And which this brings me to the next question of, you know, what happens after Yom Kippur? And uh, Rabbi Moshe Waldox has this great quote, um, what's after enlightenment? Laundry. And it's really funny. It's a really funny idea. You know, you think of like the Buddha or something suddenly attaining enlightenment. What do you do in the immediate moment afterwards? Or, you know, if you think back to the temple period, think of the high priest, you know, going in to the Holy of Holies, the sanctum sanctorum of the temple, saying the ineffable name of God. And then what, you know, what does he do afterwards? Does he go make a sandwich? Like, <laughs> you know, it's, there's always going to be the moment after. And, and so the question is, when we have these peak experiences, uh, or these heightened experiences like Yom Kippur or things like that, um, what do you do after? You know, it's a, another good uh, example of this, right? Think about the hour after a wedding or the hour after a bar mitzvah and how the entire mood sort of shifts and changes. Or, you know, think about like the drive back from one of these festivities, the come down, so to speak. And so that's the question, you know, what do, what do we do when that happens? Because, you know, in 25 hours, Yom Kippur is going to be over. And I think the answer to this goes back to our inquiry about tshuva. Because tshuva isn't something that 
we just do during the high holiday season. It's not like, okay, Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days of awe and Yom Kippur here, I'm going to do tshuva and then I'm going to forget about it. Tshuva is actually a year-long and really lifelong cyclical process. We are constantly in this rhythm of trying to recognize that we are where we're supposed to be and that in those moments of feeling like we're broken, feeling like we're not whole, feeling like we're not, you know, that everything is, is falling apart um, or feeling that we've, we've done things that uh, have caused damage to our relationships with other people. Um, it's in those moments that we have the capacity to recognize one, the, the moment that we're experiencing is the moment that we need to be experiencing. And two, we possess the ability to make repairs and to make the world a better place and to make ourselves a better place. Sorry. And to make ourselves better and to repair those relationships. And, you know, for me, the, the real sort of gem in all of this is in the Talmud in on in Pesachim, page 54a, there's this discussion of like, what are the things that were created before the world was created? And it, it lists seven things that God created before God created the world. And in that list, teshuva is one of the things that God created. So the conclusion there is that teshuva is a fundamental component of our reality and our lived experience. And furthermore, it's a fundamental component of what it means to be a human being that we have the ability to get out of the feeling of that we're constantly grasping towards something that's just out of our reach because the thing that we're grasping for really is in front of us and, and has been in the immediate moment all along. My bracha, my blessing for everybody for this Yom Kippur is that it is a source of strength and a source of growth and a source of healing and a source of moments of recognition of the totality of our lived experience and all its complexity and that the complexity of our lived experience really does bend towards the good. So Gamar Khatimatova, and I will be speaking with all of you next week.